0: Well, last week we began a series called Unintended Journeys. You've been tracing your trail of twine this week. Uh, Someone stopped me in the atrium on the way in here this morning and said, I lost my piece of twine. I was like, oh, that's a whole nother discussion, right? I said to her, I said, that's when you know you're a young mom who has a lot of young ones to keep track of. But we talked about how uh, the trail of twine, right, if we could kind of unwind the years of our life and just trace it, it has lots of twists and turns in it, and sometimes the twists and turns uh, go to a place you never imagined them going, right? And you kind of examine it and go, wow, I didn't see that one coming, I didn't see that turn, I didn't see that twist, And, and we just talked about, well, last week we said, well, what do you do when you really can't believe your new reality? When you step back and look at the trail of twine of your life, what do we put our eyes on? What would God have us put our eyes on? And we talked about four key things. You remember those four from last week? We talked about the sovereignty of God, that he's in control. We talked about the wisdom of God. He knows what he's doing, even if we have no idea, which most of the time we have no idea what we're doing, but God knows what he's doing, and we're resting that. And then the goodness of God. He always has our best in mind, even when it feels quite painful and you can't imagine what good could come out of it. God has your best in mind all the time. And then we ended with the reality, though, that there are times when there's the silence of God, that God values some things beyond just answering all of our questions And as a people, we're going to anchor ourselves in what we do know while we journey through what we don't know. That's kind of the premise of the whole series. So what are we going to anchor ourselves in? Sovereignty of God, wisdom of God, goodness of God, silence of God, and we're going to journey through all that we don't know anchored to those things. And I mentioned to you last week, kind of each of the weeks of the series now moving forward, I want to hear real life story, peel back some layers of a blue chair story, talking about their own unintended journey. So I want you to welcome Stephen Smith to the stage. Let's give him a round of applause for being willing to share. So Stephen and his wife Carrie have been worshiping, is it 16 years, brother? Is that what it is? 16 years. Here's their family up there. You may know some of the Smith boys. Nathan and Isaac have been plugged in with children's ministry and now student ministry for years. Carrie has served in What used to be called Kid Zone, now called Eagle Kids. And Stephen has served as an elder around here for, I don't know, how how many of your 16 years have you been in eldership? Nine. Nine, but you're not counting? No. No, right. And so he served in many leadership roles, but carries a heavy load. He carries a chair of the elder role as well. So he does a great job selflessly and sacrificially serving. And um, we thought we'd have a conversation today about what many of you may not be aware of is that. Stephen himself has an unintended journey kind of related to his physical body, and we're just going to have a conversation about it. Does that sound good? So, Stephen, why don't you get us started? Just give a little context to the congregation about the beginnings of this, what we're calling now an unintended journey. Sure. Well, good
1: morning, everyone. Uh, So, my story begins when I was a very young man, uh, when I accepted Christ as my Savior uh, at the age of seven And so I still have a very clear image of that Sunday evening, kneeling aside of the bed with my mom and and praying with her, and and obviously that was a decision that was going to impact the rest of my life. So I'm from rural Pennsylvania. I grew up on a a family farm, side of my uncle, Um, was a young man. As a young man, I grew up loving agriculture, I enjoyed driving tractors, I enjoyed the sun, I enjoyed corn. Um, Is that you with the hay bales right there? That is me. Those are pictures of me as a teenager driving the 40-20 John Deere tractor and throwing some hay bales. Um, You know, during the summer, I would get up early in the morning, and uh, we would put those hay bales away. Uh, We would drive tractors in the afternoon, work until late in the evening. I loved coming home in the the dark and come home from a full day's work. I loved everything about agriculture and was really a, a big part of my life growing up. But as a, as a young man, um, working on the farm, some symptoms started to show up in my body physically. Mm-hmm. And there was some, some things going on that just weren't right. Um, some of those things were exhaustion, fatigue. That was not normal, even though I was doing that type of work. Um, I was struggling with weight gain. I was really skinny, even skinnier than you, Pastor, I believe. I oh. appreciate that. That must be
0: really bad. Really skinny. <laughs> that was his way of saying it's really bad.
1: Really skinny. And uh, so, so these symptoms were going on, and, and unfortunately, the, the doctor that we were seeing, the country doctor, for years, misdiagnosed all of these symptoms. Mm. In fact, that misdiagnosis almost cost me my life, uh, because as a result of some interaction with some other friends, they took me to see another doctor, got a second opinion, and pretty quickly, it was determined that I have had, at that time, a very serious heart defect, mm. and immediate surgery was needed. And, uh, How old so, are you at this time? So I'm I'm 11 years old, and so the the issue at the time was diagnosed as coarctation of the aorta, and surgery was required. And after many many months of seeing doctors, and uh, rehabilitation, recovery, um, the surgery was successful, and uh, really thought I was back on to track of, of being a normal teenager, but but that. First step was probably the very first Mm. unintended journey in my life. Mm. So a few months after the surgery and after the recovery of the surgery, uh, there was one of those, you know, parent-son meetings that was called in my house. And I was called downstairs, and, and in my mind, I was thinking about Uh, What were the two or three most recent things that I had done to my older brother, of which I was in trouble for? (laughs) Is that what the family meetings tended to be? Typically. There weren't very many. And uh, however, the the tone of that meeting that evening was very different. Mm. And so my parents sat me down that evening, and what they shared with me was that while I was going through uh, the whole process of the heart surgery and seeing all the specialists, uh, they had determined, they had diagnosed that I actually have a form of muscular dystrophy. Mm. And that form of muscular dystrophy is called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, or it's also known as the abbreviation CMT. And so with that diagnosis, uh, Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease is, is not fatal by any means, um, but it's a degenerative neurological disease that essentially impacts my arms, my hands, It impacts my legs and my feet. And so as those nerves interact improperly with the muscles, there's muscle atrophy that occurs. Mm. And through that muscle atrophy is muscle weakness and deterioration and eventually the potential for muscle loss. So I would lose function Mm. of some of the capability of my hands and my feet. Mm. So I just clearly picture the Mm. downstairs today yet with my parents sharing that news to me, Mm. as a young man, and trying to comprehend what does this
0: all mean for me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So you're 13, right, Stephen, at this point, around 13, when that meeting happens and you have words put to a condition of your body that you never imagined, certainly didn't know a lot about, and so let's talk now about what began to surface in your life with some of the kind of the wrestling match, the questions that began to surface, right? Because as a 13-year-old thinking, hey, I'm going to bale hay and run tractor and probably run the family farm That's at some correct. point, but a lot of implications. Talk a little bit about. Yeah.
1: You know, so as I look back on it, um, it, it didn't make sense, right? So, so I was right from the start trying to make sense of why was God Limiting what I wanted to do and what I wanted to become mm. with an affliction that I knew that he could or could not take away. Mm. I remember at that stage taking very long walks in the country. And with those long walks, I would process, Lord, what, what does this mean to me?
2: Mm.
1: What's this going to do for me? Mm. Um, would I still be able to work on the farm? Um, would I have the ability to do that? How is this going to change the implication of future career path? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How about dating? How is this going to impact dating in high school? And more importantly, how is this going to impact finding a spouse, a wife in the future? Mm. And I would spend time thinking about what were the potential impact long term Mm. as I would have a family if God would allow that to happen. But you know, even as I wrestled with all of that the symptoms were progressing pretty quickly in my life. Hmm. And so we were seeing quite a few symptoms, particularly at that point in my legs and my feet. And so as a senior in high school, the doctors came and made a recommendation of having essentially what they called preventative surgery. Uh, It was pretty significant surgery on both my left and my right foot to hopefully kind of delay radical surgery when I got older. Hmm but it was going to have a a short-term cost to it. And so my senior year of high school was essentially 12 months
2: Mm. of
1: having surgery first on my right foot Mm. and then on my left foot and all of the recovery that Mm. was around that whole procedure. And Eric, as I sit back during that formable stage of my life, I remember my friends not understanding at all what I was dealing with. I remember most adults not being able to relate with what I was going through. And for me personally, you know, I was really questioning, God, what's, what's the purpose of all of this? And I really was struggling with my own personal self-value and, mm. and what was the, the value of my even my existence here? God, what was your plan for me? Mm. So at the same time that I was dealing with those surgeries... I'll share with you that my mom um, was also diagnosed with Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. And there might be a picture of mine. So there's my mom, my dad, and my two sons. So my mom recently turned 70. And so my mom, through her early stages of life, um, it was diagnosed as she had severe arthritis in her hands and feet. Mm. But obviously, when it was diagnosed that I had this form of muscular dystrophy, uh, the doctors put one and one together and they diagnosed the same for her, but hers was much advanced. And so, for mom, um, growing up, watching her go through significant surgery on her feet, later in life on her hands, and then living in the house with mom, you know, watching this Charcot Marie tooth disease impact her in ways that my mind was trying to fast forward and think. How is this going to impact me?
2: Mm.
1: You know. So, for example, for mom, um, doing simple chores today you know, of, of cooking or walking across a parking lot without assistance is, is pretty much impossible. Mm. And in fact, in her mid-30s, mom had to go on disability. She had to leave her job. She wasn't able to, to maintain a job, and she's been on medical disability since. Mm. And I have a loving father who takes care of my mom, but with, without him... Uh, Many of the basic daily things of just even getting ready for the day, she's not able to do. And so I can tell you even today, as as where I'm at today in life, I still watch mom, Hmm. and I still project out, well, how is this disease going to impact me as I get older in the future?
0: So there's this surfacing of these questions, right? You begin to call out to God, God, what's the purpose? Why this? Why now? Why me? Kind of that whole wrestling match going on. And as we run the tape out a little farther, talk to us about some things God did choose to resolve in that, kind of bring some clarity about. He didn't just sit completely silent in your life. There were some, at least, windows in to some things. Can you just share a little about that?
1: So dealing with health issues pretty much all my life, I can tell you that one of the things I've slowly learned is that God has given me the ability to deal with these things. And what do I mean by that? Well, the physical conditions are limiting me in in many different ways, but God has met me in some very tangible ways, unexpected ways. I'll give you a very specific example, right? So early on in high school, my passion with agriculture and to go on the farm, I recognized pretty quickly that the dream of owning a farm or working on a farm full time wasn't going to be reality,
2: Hmm.
1: wasn't going to happen that way. And so I remember, God, how are you going to manage through this? What are you going to do to fill that gap, that passion? And I'm I'm here to say God put me on a completely different journey. God opened doors and allowed me to get involved in agriculture and influence agriculture in ways a farm boy back in Pennsylvania could never imagine.
2: Mm.
1: And there was no way that I could have predicted that journey that God has put me on. You know, over time, I've experienced God's ability and willingness to answer some of my questions when it comes to health. But I've come to the grips that God, although He has the ability to heal me, and I truly believe that, I'm not so certain that He's going to do that. Hmm. And I've had to come to grips and understand that's okay. I'm okay with that. If God, and chooses you've asked, you've talked to, to the Lord
0: about healing, right? You've asked Him to heal you. It's not right. Been very specific in my prayers about healing. And to this point, your body's largely stayed in the degenerative cycle. Is that true? Yes. So
1: not only the degenerative, so the progressive nature yeah. where slowly but steadily, the symptoms that I experience continue to progress. Hmm. So through that journey of, of understanding that I, I'm, God's probably not going to heal me, one of the things that he really has taught me through this, Eric, was this whole idea that I am so much more than a physical body. Right? I'm a spiritual being, and he cares so much more for that spiritual being than the physical part. And I think we all recognize that our bodies are fading away. Mm. Those of us that have health issues, we just learn that a little bit sooner, <laughs> right? We just recognize sooner that our bodies are fading away.
2: Mm.
1: And we hold on to that promise of Scripture that says God's going to renew us. God's going to restore us in heaven. He's going to give us a new body. Mm. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really excited for that day. Mm. So if I can just continue on this theme of things that I've learned, um, there was a significant period of when, when Carrie and I got married 22 years ago. And at my wedding, my father wrote me a really personal note, a really significant note. Hmm. And in that note, my dad essentially shared with me these words. He said, um, son, I am really, really proud of you. You are an overcomer. And he referenced James 1.12 that says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, so I've personally, I've experienced this reality that the source of power to becoming an overcomer is not me, but it resides in Jesus who lives inside of me. And I remind myself daily not to let the fact that I cannot do what I once could do prevent me from doing what I can do now. Mm. And it is my goal on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and for a lifetime, I want to finish well. Mm. I want God to receive the glory. I think there's a quote that's really significant to me. Uh, it's on the top of your note pages. Uh, Eric put it there, and that I'd like quote. to just read that quote. Maybe it's going to go on the screen. Maybe it's no. not. It's not? All right. So the quote says, so it's on top of your note pages. Uh, it's from Andy Stanley. It says, All of us have wondered at times why God doesn't do more to fix our problems. But our human eyes often fail to see that God isn't rushing to change our circumstances because he is concerned with a much more serious problem our character. While you struggle with the woes of this world, God's main occupation is preparing you for the world to come. The focus of what God is doing in your life takes place in you,
0: not around you. Mm. So Stephen, those kind of bedrock issues where God did bring some clarity and perspective on, but we appreciate your honesty on there's still a lot of this that's in the category of mystery, right? There's still a lot of the ongoing wrestling matches where you're just having to consistently lay some things down. Can you just talk about that at the stage you're at now and just, you know, what just for you just stays in the, Lord, I'm not sure I'm ever going to understand this fully?
1: You know, so sitting here sharing my story with you this morning, you know, first thing I recognize is for most of you, you probably look at me and there's, there's no identification that there's something wrong, Right? And yet, I also understand that there's many today that are thinking through their own health challenges, which are probably much more severe or different, more challenging for you than than what I experience. But for me, my health story is Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. Hmm. This progressive disease impacts me such that on a daily basis, I deal with muscle cramps and fatigue and nerve pain on a daily basis, mm. um, it's difficult for me to walk long distances. Mm. It's difficult for me to stand in one spot for very long without muscle cramps forming or, or really getting tired. I've lost track of the number of times that I've sprained an ankle.
2: Mm.
1: I've lost track of the number of pairs of shoes that I've thrown away because they get twisted with the way that I walk because of my gait. Mm. I'm losing strength in my hands That's kind of the newest thing. Mm. And some of the dexterity of, of, for example, holding a nail, to to hold a nail and and hammer it in the wall to hang up a picture frame is becoming really challenging for me. Mm. And so I question, Lord, what's the future going to look like for me? Mm. That's where I wrestle the most. Mm. It's not, do I take two more Advil and get on my way? Mm -hmm. But it's the uncertainty of, Lord, can I trust you with my life for the years to come? Will I be able to work until retirement? Mm. What's what's life going to look like for Carrie and I in 10 years Mm. or 20 years or 30 years from now? Mm. But here's the thing. My health story doesn't just stop with Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. Health has been a challenge for me Mm. for, for many different reasons, much more than just that. I've already shared with you the heart surgery. But in addition to that, since very little age, I deal with very severe migraine headaches. Mm. And I have a very difficult prescription for my correction for my eyes. Mm. And recently, I was diagnosed with early stages of glaucoma. Mm. In college, I had hernia surgery. And over the last few years, I've had too many bouts of passing kidney
2: stones.
1: (laughs) I have a neck pain that radiates down my arm that's been diagnosed as a bulge disc. And surgery is going to have to be required for that to correct that at some time in the future. And honestly, the list goes on. I could continue with that. And Eric, there are days when I become self-absorbed with the weight of all those health problems. And add to that the weight of being a father and someone that's got a job and someone who serves, and, and that weight sometimes just feels mm. heavy.
2: Yeah.
1: And I go back to God and I say, really? Why me? Mm. So in many ways, this whole health unintended journey for me remains a mystery, mm. right? Can I state the obvious? When it comes to health, the, unfeu- the, the, the future for me is very unclear right? Not exactly sure what it's going to play out. And so for me, the questions I have, do I really trust God through this journey? Do I really believe that in my weakness, he is able to, be, to declare himself strong?
0: Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, let's kind of wrap it up with just mm-hmm. your praying these days. Like if we had, if we were a fly on the wall for Stephen Smith's prayer times these days, give us some insight into the what you're praying about, what that looks like. Yeah.
1: Right, it's interesting. So Eric asked me to share my story a couple months ago, a month ago maybe, a little bit more. And So my typical symptoms of some of the fatigue in my hands and my legs, uh, probably not too surprising, but the last couple weeks it's been more severe than what's normal. And so for me, my prayer life is often, Lord, you know what? Can you just relieve some of this discomfort?
2: Hmm.
1: Lord... You know, boy, this migraine really hurts. Can you, can you relieve so I can continue on with life? Lord, I'd like to remind you this is really not a good time for a kidney stone. Okay? It's not a good time, Lord. <laughs> you got to coach him on that I one, do, a I do. I find myself coaching him often. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my prayer life is really about, Lord, help me persevere.
0: Is that through, you through praying? It. Is that one of your prayer walk areas there? And-
1: that is, uh, for me, praying, oftentimes, to get out in nature. Um, again, I think that's part of the farm boy, agriculture, innate love. I love to be outside and, and connect. If I could just wrap up with, with one last kind of way I pray, um, i just share with you a common prayer for me, oftentimes in the morning. Oftentimes, I wake up already feeling some of the soreness in my legs. Maybe I had a restless night. And I love to start off the morning praying, Lord, you are so good, but Lord, I need, I need some help to get out of bed right now. Hmm. Lord, there is so much work to be done
0: and I need your help.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, we're really grateful, Stephen, that you would peel back the layers for us and talk about this. We're, I know I speak on behalf of this whole body. Thank you for everything you do for all of us. You selflessly serve in the midst of a deteriorating body. And what a great example you are for giving yourself away, even when you still say, Lord, I'm not sure why you gave me this body. I still trust you. So we want to pray for Stephen. Can we do that together? Let's just pray for this man. Jesus, thank you so much for Stephen's life. Thank you that 16 years ago, you brought him to this body for such a time as this. Thank you that literally all of our lives in this room have been impacted by the Smiths family and Many of us had no idea that he's been waking up every morning praying a prayer like that. Uh, so we do pray that you would be his sustaining strength. We do pray that you would show yourself strong in weakness. We do pray you'd carry him along, sometimes hour by hour. We pray that you would open his eyes to see your sovereignty and wisdom and goodness in the midst of the silence. And we pray you'd continue to be a strong anchor as he walks out this journey that he never would have written the script this way but this is the portion and cup you've given him. Thank you for his posture of trust. We pray you'd continue to bear much fruit. As his body fades away, may his spirit and soul grow larger and stronger still. We ask it for Jesus' sake and all God's people said amen. Let's give Stephen a round of applause and thank him for... Well, open up your Bibles if you haven't already done so, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As I mentioned last week, each of the weeks we're going to take one of your stories, we're going to link it to God's story, and then we're going to bridge it to our everyday stories. And I entitled today's message, you know, what do you do when kind of your, the current physical struggles just won't go away? Some of you listen to Stephen and you're like, hey, that's, uh, it's not CMT, but you changed the vernacular. You live with chronic pain. You live with the reality that the body that you have is not what you ever envisioned having, or you're perhaps married to someone in that condition. You just look at the circumstances physically with this body he's given you, and you struggle. And I want you to know you're not alone, obviously, Stephen's story, but let's look at there's a person in the Scriptures who talk to God often about this, and he wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books, and it's the Apostle Paul. And Paul didn't struggle with CMT syndrome. We don't know what he had. He described it as a thorn in his flesh, something with his physical body that was fading away. He probably lived with chronic pain. He probably lived with a cycle of days that Stephen talked about he said, Lord, you just got to help me press on physically today because in my body I feel quite weak. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Paul was fully aware Jesus could heal him, just like Stephen. Stephen knows Jesus can heal him. And Paul had a front row seat to watching Jesus heal lots of other people. Feel this. He knew Jesus could heal him. God used Paul to heal others, but at the end of the day, Jesus has chosen to allow Paul to remain in this physical suffering condition. That's the Apostle Paul. Acts 19, I put in your notes up here on the screen as well. Here's a little backdrop on that with Paul. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. So, Paul was the kind of guy that if you even just got his handkerchief, people's bodies were getting healed. Something tells me at night, Paul's probably taking his handkerchiefs and wiping his whole body down. Can you see him doing that? Like going, Lord, I just saw you do this with this family and this with this young lady and this with this man through just handkerchiefs and aprons and he gets home and he's crying out to God. How about me? Heal me, Lord. And for the most part, God's remained silent with Paul or maybe slightly beyond silence we'll look at here. He does give him some words and that's what we're gonna look at today. 2 Corinthians 12 is what Verse 8 and following. Three times Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10. That is why for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So four applications from this text, from Stephen's story to Paul's story to our story. The first one is, notice what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. When our bodies are struggling... The scriptures say, call out to God for help, for healing. Pleading, that word literally means to beg, to summon. Where you say, God, heal me. God, help. God, touch me. Like Paul, do something about this, Lord. You healed this young lady. You healed this family. You did those things. Can you not do something about this thing? It's okay. Call out to him. And then the New Testament gives us more clarity about how that works in the church today. James chapter 5 says, hey, when your body's failing away, I put it in your notes, is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So to state the obvious, if you're here and you have a pattern of your body struggling physically in some capacity, one of the steps you can take as a follower of Jesus is to ask some of the spiritual leaders in your local church to anoint you with oil and pray for you. And to just ask God to heal you. Do you know God still heals today? He has not chosen to heal Stephen Smith, as you heard Stephen say, to this point. But that does not mean he doesn't heal today. He still does heal. Some of you here have that testimony. I could have had an unintended journey story with you that God touched your physical body. Some of you ladies in this room, he opened your womb when you knew and everyone had pronounced your womb barren. You have children running around your house, keeping you up at late, driving you nuts because you prayed and you asked God to open your womb and make it fruitful. And guess what he did? He did it. God still heals today. And we're not going to lose sight of that. And we should anoint with oil and pray. So at the end of this service, that's what we're gonna give you an opportunity to do. Maybe some of you have come this morning, something with your physical body, and you say, you know what? I've really never asked to be anointed with oil and had one of the pastors and elders just pray for God, just a simple prayer. Just come to the front, kneel down. One of us will come around you. We'll put a little oil on your forehead, kind of the symbol of the cross. That's just symbolic to say, do what James 5 said, and just place our hands on you and say, Jesus Would you make this person whole physically? Who knows what God might do? God might heal somebody today. It could happen. But second point, application. Three times he pleaded with the Lord, so Paul wasn't giving up. He's begging, Lord, do something about this. Second application is sometimes God chooses not to heal in the way we hope, pray, or expect. Stephen Smith's been praying for 30-plus years about CMT. And at least to this point, he's heard what the Apostle Paul has heard. What's Jesus' words to the Apostle Paul here? Hey, Paul, I hear your request. I've chosen not to give you physical healing. I've chosen to give you grace to endure. And sometimes that's what God does with us. Which raises the question, well, Eric, why doesn't he just heal everybody that asks him? Seems pretty straightforward, right? Look how much glory you get out of that. God, why not just heal? If we need healing and we ask for healing, why don't you just heal everybody? Why just some and not others? And that's what Paul brings up, right, in the dialogue. Verse nine, Jesus says to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And then uh, else it says, I will boast in my weakness as Christ's power might rest on me. Verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So why doesn't he heal everyone? There's something with the intersection here of God's sovereignty, wisdom and goodness. That God values something beyond just our physical wholeness as a body. Much like Stephen referenced, do we all recognize that all of our bodies are at some point going to hit an end, like physically? They're fading away. Even Michael Phelps Even Simone Biles, even Katie Ledecky, as amazing as their physical bodies are at this stage of their life, do you know if we run the tape out about 50 years from now, they're not going to look like they look like in Rio right now. And they're going to have a whole different set of struggles. So what God's valuing some things about our lives beyond just the physical body's wholeness and what is it that he's valuing? Much that we've talked about in other series around here for months and months, that God is caring about the kind of person we're becoming. He's caring about our essence, our soul, our character. Do you realize you're not going to take this physical body with you to heaven? Somebody say hallelujah. You're not going to take this physical body that you have here to glory. What are you going to take? What are you going to harvest out of this life then? Your physical body is going to remain here. It might be cremated. It might be put in the ground. Your physical body is going to say, what do you take and stand before the Lord Jesus? It's who you've become. That's what you get out of this life. It's your soul. It's your character. It's the essence of your personhood. That's what's going to live on for eternity. And yes, we're going to be given resurrected new bodies in heaven, whatever that's going to look like. Hallelujah, there won't be CMT in heaven Hallelujah, there's not going to be thorn in the flesh for Paul. He's going to be made whole. My best guess is we're probably going to have the scars for a recognition of what he's brought us through, much like Jesus, remember, in his resurrected state, Thomas could put his hands in the scars, in the side, and Jesus in his resurrected body. So there's something there, right? He could see it. He could see the history there. But then Jesus walked through walls. It's like, well, that's a little different than our physical body, right? So that's the best window we get, what's that gonna be like? So in the intersection of God's sovereignty and his wisdom and his goodness, he says, hey, you know what? I value something, Paul. I value something, Stephen Smith. I value something, insert your name. Beyond just your physical body having a more physical, comfortable existence, I value the essence of your personhood being formed and shaped for all of eternity in Christlikeness. And at times, we all know this, God chooses to use our body as a gateway to our soul. How many of you know that? God uses our body, hear me, as a way to get to the deeper places, the soul stuff, the character stuff, the spiritual formation work that perhaps places of great physical strength and great physical health we would have never gotten to. This is why for many of our stories, we say things like, when our body is weak, we are spiritually flourishing. Your testimony is You hit some really tough places, and you call out to God. He didn't choose to heal you. It's been really difficult. But spiritually, like Stephen's story, he's spiritually been flourishing while his body's been fading. Huh. And God says, yep, that's part of the point. Now, he doesn't do that with everybody. That's his sovereignty and wisdom and goodness. Part of the mystery is we are not going to understand why he selects whom he selects for this. But here's what we have to trust. Do we trust he's in control? Do we trust he knows what he's doing? Do we trust he has our best in mind? Do you see why we have to stay anchored in that while we journey through, Lord, what's up with this body? Why this portion and cup? Why chronic pain? Why would you have me live with this this long? All of that is there's a deeper level of work beyond the physical, and God often uses the body as a gateway into that. And perhaps some of you who maybe have been on the receiving end of piles of physical pain that maybe you've been viewing as God's kind of abandon you or God's like, you know, it's a punishment from God. And it, what I'd like you to do is begin to shift like Paul and like Stephen brought up. I'd like you to begin to see perhaps the physical pain you're living in is a window of pursuit. Jesus pursuing you in the struggles physically and calling you to some places spiritually that maybe health never would. I don't know that's the case, I'm simply asking you to open up to that and say maybe it's not so much a God's got it in for you as God's wooing, calling you, pursuing you into some deeper places in that. So the first reality from this text is your, when your body's struggling, call out to the Lord for help and healing. Secondly, sometimes God chooses to heal, chooses not to heal in ways we hope, pray, or expect. And thirdly, even when God's silent, he's not absent. We know that, right? Just because God doesn't answer our questions doesn't mean he's not with us. And we're reminded over and over again with the Scriptures, as God never promised us a pain-free life, um, You know, a suffering free body um, where he's never promised us those things. What has he promised us? I'll be with you. The promise has always been I'll be with you when you go through whatever it is you're going through. The promise has never been exemption from the sufferings but companionship in them. And the promise has never been that he's going to give us an answer. The promise has been I might remain largely silent in it. Here's a quotation from John Stumbo. Stumbo's gonna be here a year from now and uh, he's gonna share about his own unintended journey. I put in your notes, John said it this way, I take genuine comfort in my belief that God knows exactly what's going on at all times and when he chooses to keep us in the dark on a matter, he does so with purpose. That's from a man who's suffered deeply in his own life of which he'll be here next year to tell you all about some more. And I put two books on your notes there that I commend to you that have been very helpful to Stephen in his journey. John wrote these two books in the midst of his own physical body fading away when he turned 47 and he went on a journey and continues to be on one. He's president of the Alliance and he was here last year. Many of you remember his name. But if you are yourself or you have someone you love really struggling physically, I think you'd find some real help. And uh, I think they were helpful to Stephen in his journey. So the first, first from this text, the bridge into our lives from... Paul's wrestling match from Stephen's wrestling matches. We should call out to God to heal because he still heals. But when we do, we should recognize sometimes he chooses not to do it in the way we hope, pray, or expect. Thirdly, even when he's silent, he's not absent. Just because he's remained silent in Stephen Smith's life on some of these fronts, it's been clear he's not been absent. He has been with Stephen, and Stephen will testify to that. It's just looked much different than he ever envisioned. And then lastly, in Jesus, our physical sufferings Have an end date. Revelation 21, this is a window into the future with this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Do you long for that day? Heaven, the window you get to heaven is it's a place of the no-longers. Are you looking forward to that day? That's our destiny. No longer any morphine drips in heaven. No longer any cancer diagnosis or stroke victims or rehab hospitals and heart attacks and no longer chemotherapy and radiation. No longer any of those things. It's a place of the no-longers. No longer any crying out. No longer CMT. No longer Stumbo syndrome. That's what the doctors ended up diagnosing John Stumbo with because they couldn't come up with a medical term for it. They said, Stumbo, you've stumped us. We're calling it Stumbo syndrome. No longer any of that in glory. That's heaven. Every single one of our physical body sufferings in this life in Jesus, it has an end date. And that's reason to have hope today. So the worship team is going to come up, and here's how we're going to wrap up. Jana's going to sing through a song of which the lyrics, I think, lend themselves to kind of an anthem for the physical suffering. So if you're here and that's your story right now, you're really going through it with the body, uh, I commend this song to you. Maybe put it on the playlist and just keep hitting rewind, replay, replay, replay all week long. And while this song's being played, I just want to invite you, you can come up here to any of the prayer bench areas, on the sides, up here, the kneeling rails. And you just simply can kneel down, and by coming and kneeling down, you're just asking for someone to come, anoint you with oil, and pray for your body. Someone will just put a hand on a shoulder and say, what is it you'd like prayer for? You tell us, we'll pray, and we'll ask the Lord to heal. Or perhaps there's some other things you just want to come and lay down. Whatever it is, this is your time to do that. And then while we're doing that, here's what we're going to do. We're going to anchor ourselves to what we do know. That's why the lyrics of this song are so important. We're gonna anchor ourselves that God is sovereign. He's still in control. He is wise. He knows what he's doing. He is good. He has our best in mind. And yes, there are times in which he is silent. And there's a grand mystery to all this. We're gonna stay anchored to what we do know while we journey through, even physically, all the struggles through what we don't know. Amen? So together, team's gonna lead us. You join in on the chorus especially.